Straw, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you for coming in this morning. Thanks little for bit of me, man. You're welcome. A little bit of background. Straw, we met probably, I don't know, five. maybe four or five years yeah. ago um, when you were cutting my hair. Yeah. And uh, I guess in the field of being a barber, it's probably got a little bit of similarity to some of the fitness world in that you got to have the gift of the gab and you're there to have some chats. And we yeah. found ourselves uh, twisting and turning on some really interesting conversations, uh, which I've enjoyed, which is, I guess, ultimately what's brought us here today to uh, get into it, man. Yeah, definitely. Well, I feel like if you like that's your job and then if you want to go that like, little bit extra mile, like you could be a PT and just telling people to do the exercises. But if you want to connect with someone, you try to get deeper, want to get to know them. A hundred percent. Yeah, but... It's the perfect, because it's not like I became a barber because I was like, you know, like, yeah, I like cutting hair, but it was like that intimate conversation, like that community that you can create from like a space. And I think it's like pretty similar to a gym as well and like what you created as well here. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's obviously something that's very <coughs> universal that you can take anywhere with oh, you too. Oh, for sure. I've gotten to travel to like three different countries cutting hair, which I'm pretty happy about like I just got I lived in the Netherlands for a while I got to go to New Zealand and then whenever I've traveled I've just like you know cut hair randomly along the way and you've done them in uh mid doofs as well sometimes yeah dusty dance floor haircuts yeah some <laughs> of your finest work no doubt 100 percent, mate where are you originally from you're not originally from Australia are you yeah well you I'm I was born in Melbourne in Thomastown yeah um my mum is Italian my father's Egyptian mm-hmm. um so then I was like uh, mainly, like, my parents split when I was really young, so I was, like, predominantly raised by, like, my nonna, nonna. Mm-hmm. Um But, yeah, it was, like, mixed culture, everything. It was weird, like, you know, with my Italian side, they're like, you're Egyptian. When I'm with my Egyptian side, they're like, you're Italian. And then I might go to school in Melbourne, and they're like, where are you from? You don't look Australian. And it's, like, it's weird. Was that ever problematic or bothering? Um, I guess, like, for my own, like, sense of... Where do I fit in the world? Mm-hmm. I always found, like, never really fit anywhere in particular. And I guess maybe that's what drew me into, like, you know, being in a barbershop in a community. Because, mm-hmm. like, I never felt, I felt a little bit out of place wherever I was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, finding music or finding, trying to find my own community, I definitely, was always, like, something I looked for because, like, it was always a little bit of everything. But then I realised, like, I'm a little bit of everything anyway. Mm-hmm. And I'm my own self. Mm-hmm. But definitely when I was younger, like, even with, because I was mainly raised, by, I lived with my mum and my sister, so I didn't see my dad as often. Mm-hmm. So then, like, struggling to find, like, uh, like being a pretty feminine guy, even though I'm straight, but just because I was around women all the time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, looking for, like, trying to, like, well, I would say only pretty recently realising that, you know, I am masculine and I am feminine also. Mm-hmm. And I'm, with all my things, just a little bit of everything. And, <clears throat> like, um, you know, I've only started training, like, in the last few years because I realised, like, it's, you know, feels good to move and lift weights and, you know, box and stuff. Where yeah, 100%. Where, like, I never was interested in exercising as a kid because, you know, I grew up with, like, the mother phase. Mm-hmm. So the only people that went to the gym were... People were shredding for stereosonic. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say was that yeah. was was, and I feel like that probably is a bit of a deterrent for a lot of people. Sometimes that uh, kind of jock, um, yeah. kind of uh, stereotype in a way. Like you said, that you maybe felt like you struggled to find your place and where you're fitting in. Do you, do you still feel like that? No, no, no. not at all. 
it was definitely like I think like most kids go through that though mm-hmm. you know, especially when you're a teenager you're like not quite an adult not quite a kid you're like in between yeah um you know you're coming into your body but mm-hmm. there's still so much in the world that you don't know yeah and I feel like when you're sort of stepping into that like early part of adolescence there when you are meant to be sort of trying to form your identity yep. and it is all uh, a little bit volatile and you've probably got a greater need for that sense of belonging than perhaps I oh, well, me personally than where I do now and if anything bro um, you know you've described yourself as someone who's quite unique there and in fact that was probably my earliest appreciation for getting to know you you know what I mean oh, like thanks, it's uh it's good to meet people that aren't just the same as everyone else. And if anything, I think it's a, it's a good thing. I, I like to yeah. not feel like I belong and probably almost in a, a direct opposition to yours in a way is that uh, being someone who was always, um, I guess always maybe would fit perfectly into the stereotype that I just described of yeah. the jock that you want to probably yeah. not be around <laughs> is that because that's what's very visible. Yeah. That's what you get labeled as and think, oh, he's just a, a gym bro. Yeah. And there's actually nothing more to the depth of personality in a way. Yeah. Well, I think that's what made me appreciate Barroom because I don't know. I think like well, school's a weird place, I think, for everyone. Oh, fucking earth. So, like, you know, you're like told to fit into a box. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't quite fit in the box, kind of left on the outskirts. Mm-hmm. And then you know, school is meant to be the representation of preparing you for life. Mm-hmm. And then you're meant to be like, and then, you know, you. I was like hating school because I was like, fuck, is this what the world's going to be like? Well, for and somebody who's a pretty free thinker. Yeah, definitely. No wonder it didn't go smooth, and then, so smooth. And then, you know, they're like, oh, these are going to be the best years of your life. And I'm like, hope not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, but then they're, you know, you're also, they're treating like children still, but then they're also saying, what do you want to do with your life? And I'm like, that's a pretty fucking big question mm. to ask someone who is still trying to work out there, you know, where they fit. And then, you know, I remember when I finished school, I was like, oh my God, there's a big wide world out there. And I felt really good. And, mm-hmm. you know, those like stereotypes that are created, they're just like something that it's not real. Mm. Like, you know, you may have qualities of whatever, but you're still like an individual person. Mm-hmm. And then what I like, um, you know, I grew up north side and I was like, I'm never going south side ever. I was like that person. And then I like moved down here and started working in Pran. Mm-hmm. And then I met all these people and I'm like, well, people are just people. Mm-hmm. And there is no, even though there is like a little stereotype, but people, you but know. Do you think people try and be that stereotype because they are north side maybe? Um, like there's an element of that? I think there is, but there isn't. Mm. Because like, I feel like you could, you know, I'm sure you would feel when you sit down with anyone, someone from a complete, you can find common ground with anyone. For sure. So, like, I think, uh, like, you know, I've had some, like, pretty, you know, I uh, I would consider myself, like, centre-left on my political views or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I would sit down in, like, the barber chair with some, like, really far-right thing thinkers. Yep. And after we, like, talking about, you know, different things about the world, we both realised that, even though we have different opinions, the only reason why we care is because we care, or we're having a conversation, mm-hmm. is because we actually care about the world. So that's like a common ground. Because sure. if neither of us cared, we wouldn't even have an opinion. Yeah. So we both come from like a sense of compassion. 
Yeah, that's like I have an opinion. I mean, that's an in, interesting. Like, I, I don't want to go down this path yet. I actually want to stay with the education stuff for a second. <laughs> but it was, it was again one of the reasons that appealed to me to actually get you on is because, you know, for those that follow me, they they know that uh, on the occasion I poke some fun at the <laughs> vegan community more for their nutritional <laughs> aspects. But it's a perfect example of you and I yeah. having opposing views. Yeah, but. That's okay. Yeah, for we sure. can still get along. We can still be friends. Yeah. We can still have a conversation. I don't think you're a bad person just no. because you have a different belief or choice of what Definitely. you put in your mouth. Sure. And I think that's uh, that's a that then we need more of that. Everybody, Definitely. especially after the last couple of years that we've been through, yeah. if you have a different view, wow, just the axe comes down. Yeah. You know, no, but I don't. I prefer to surround myself with people who are different from me. Mm. If I wanted to hear the same thing, I'd just talk to a wall. If you stay around the same people that have always got the same views, then all you're going to have is a bunch of yes men that just came to validate your own opinion and never yeah. challenge it. And you're going to, I guess, stay the same, aren't yeah. you? Never going to evolve. Yeah. With school, um, did you find that a lot of, there was a lot of fear mongering there as well? From oh, for sure. From I teachers? went to a Catholic school. Okay. So, you know, they, um, I guess like, uh, I went to, yeah, it was a very strange school because, like, I, I guess, like, well, I don't really have any, I only went to, like, one school. But, mm-hmm. like, they, yeah, it was, like, you know, got to wear the uniform, got to do this, got yep. to tick your box. Like, um, and then even, like, you know, I was really fat as a kid, too. Um, so, like, bullying and all that crap. But it was just, like, the, I, I think, like, the point where they have, where, like, they wouldn't teach certain topics because of, like, religion. And then, like, trying to just, like, rule you with fear, which is just, like, not helpful or anything at all like that. The future of school and education is what scares me a little bit when... Would you have kids? Well, that's what I mean, manifesting the prospect of having children, which is something that I'd like to have in the next couple of years. But it is, you know, it's a scary thought. (laughs) Fuck, what am I going to do from an education point of view? Because, again, when we look at... um, I guess the rights or the power that's being given to the education system to basically influence, you know, yeah. your children's beliefs and views. It's it's a little bit scary if you don't necessarily agree with it as well. And I think yeah. when you look at, uh, you know, I could speak to my experiences at that age. I probably listened to my peers more than my parents anyway. Hundred percent. Yeah, I definitely did. Well, I felt like, you know, being t- like given an answer to do a thing, but without an explanation do this. Why? Because I said so. Because yeah. I'm the authority. Where's like your conversation? There's no room for conversation. Hang on one second. Bronson, shut up, mate. <laughs> You've been a sook and I can hear you crying through the headphones. What's wrong? You can just see dogs over in the park. <laughs> That's but, okay. Sorry, continue. Where were we? Um, uh, Schooling. Um, influence. Yeah. Uh, like, I definitely listen to my peers more than them, but they would... There's, like, no room for conversation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I think I would... Like, if I had children, I don't think I'm going to have children. I don't think I'd be a great parent. And plus, I don't think I can find anyone I would want to reproduce with. <laughs> hmm. um, I struggle to accept that from you. Why <laughs> do you think you wouldn't be a good parent? I don't know. I think, like, with my goals and what I'm trying to do, like, and, like, what I hope to do in the future and the type of person I would want to be, I would want to completely give myself to that and if you have a kid your kid becomes your world Mm -hmm. and like maybe one day i would 
So I, maybe, maybe just not now. Maybe, or, maybe it might be 10, 20 years. I thought maybe like adopt, like I might meet like my kid or something. I might be poor, but I don't think like, you know, I'm not, you know, <laughs> at <That's>, MCR. <laughs> that's fine. So yeah. what, what are those goals? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do with it? Well, I've worked like, because I used to be a disability support worker mm-hmm. and did a bit of youth work and stuff. And that was like what drew me towards like barbering because like I felt that it's like a babysitting program uh-huh. and you're just kind of like looking after people until they like they're old enough they get chucked into the system and they become a number uh-huh. and it's like kind of changed a little bit but I just felt I didn't like being under a blanket of like especially under government or whatever um and then I like thought of a barbershop and I saw this cool video of a barbershop and I was like wow this is like really beautiful the you know People come in, they talk, and I think like for like young men who don't have like male role models, uh-huh. or just to be like around like a friendly, positive, masculine environment too. And even in barbershops, like there are women as well. But I think like you know, I, I only talk from my experience, like growing up, wishing that I had like a bit more like open conversation because I think like with my upbringing, it but, was, but don't you think that's exactly what could make you a really good parent? Yeah, the but then to I would have that open conversation and give them that safe space. But I feel like if I had this shop, I would want to be the type of person that I can be like, if anyone needs anything, you call me. I come running. If I have a kid, that's not happening. My kid's always going to come first. Mm. Um, and I've like I think like as much as like I'm, I love my like my family and my upbringing, but because they were like really strict and like culture, mm-hmm. I had to like keep so much of my personal life a secret. Like, when you're getting older, you know, spent, like, sex, drugs, all that shit. Like, I'd put myself in, like, really hectic situations. Mm-hmm. And then I wish I had an adult where I could be like, man, I fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I need help. I can relate to that. Yeah. I can and relate to that, for sure. Which, in a way, I'm grateful for that I had to work it out myself. Mm-hmm. But then when I looked, there were some lessons, like, I didn't have to learn. Like, it would have been really nice because then that, like, created, like, you know, weird fucked up issues and then like if I did maybe if I just had someone that I could be like hey do you think this is a good idea and not have someone like yell at me but I think that's what our generation would be so like if you you were talking about being a parent I would probably homeschool my kids to be honest I would probably get like I would have like a English and maths like tutor yeah um because that's like important mm-hmm. like for them to learn get them to be really articulate maths um computers get them like personal tutors and get them to do social things with other kids like fun sport whatever i feel you so hard on that it's just um you know again i think in my experience when i've even mentioned the the idea of homeschooling to you know an authority figure maybe that even is my parents yeah um over you know the last maybe five years when you know just just exploring the idea it often gets met with a no screwed up. Oh yeah. no, the kids need this and this and this. But again, I just think you look at the curriculum of what actually is being taught, and they're actually, you know, you, you said it yourself before. They feel like, oh, what do you want to do in the world? Yeah. And that's meant to be the representation of being prepared for life. But yeah. I feel like it's almost the polar opposite. It's preparing you to be a worker that doesn't have their own idea, have, ideas, and way. Have of you thinking. seen that TED talks by uh, Sir Ken Robinson? No. Um, it's called uh, The Education System is Designed to Kill Your Creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and he pretty much just talks about like the hierarchy of the education system, how you have like, um, yeah, like literacy and science and all that that's like on the top and then you have like humanities and then you have like arts and everything on the bottom. Yep. And he's like, why 
is like one more important than the other? And he goes, yes, it's important to, for a kid to know how to like read and write, but it's also important for them to know how to express themselves through art. So yeah. like personal things, it's not just about money. Um, but And he goes, if everyone went through the education system properly mm-hmm. and ticked every box and got A+, plus, he goes, everyone would be like a college professor. Mm-hmm. And he goes, so you've got this system designed to create college professors. And how many, many college professors do we really have? Mm-hmm. He goes, so I wouldn't, I would, I was thought, yeah, I would like give them the basics, let them enjoy life. You need the basics and of get your them English, to your science, the, yeah, yeah, for sure, it's important. And get them to explore the world. Mm-hmm. Get them to like volunteer, like at a homeless shelter or, you know, where they can like see things and see the world for what it is. And I, then I, they I feel like the social interaction is almost the biggest thing that you learn. Yeah, definitely. Which, which is available beyond just the standard yep. schooling system. Yeah. And probably becoming a little bit more popular. Yeah. As time goes by, I think we're still definitely the, the minority. Yeah. But uh, I feel like it's trending. I think so. I definitely see, yeah, like I've noticed with like people that, you know, I grew up with some are like more thinking like maybe everything they told us was a lie. And like, you know, well, I think there's a point with like the adults in your life, you have them, you put them on a pedestal, like they're my, they're the authority, they're sure. older than me, they know that. And then you get to a point in your life where you're like, well, you're not actually participating in the world anymore and you're like you know you're like retired mm-hmm. where we're you know we're watching the, you know we're seeing what's happening and the choices we still will have to like live in the future i was just about to say i feel like the concern isn't so much there for the change because it, they're cool they're set yeah. up yeah it's not going to be you know as problematic for them if they've got you and know i think there's security up, with though. property and you yeah. know they don't have to be as concerned with the economy and the difficulty and the price of living and what it actually means to be able to not be stuck in that on that rat wheel yeah um and we've spoken about that before even when you've been back over in italy and europe and stuff and they discuss the lifestyle and the working hours and they just think we're crazy because you know we're you know they're they're over there not living to work yeah when i would do their work and spend their time with their families and yeah yeah. i would tell them that you know people in australia you know work five, six days a week, driving an hour and a half to and from work every day. And then they're like, when do you see your family and friends? And I'm like, you just don't. Mm. Like, you don't, you have to. And I think that's part of our, because we're like in the development phase of our country. We're still like young. Well, we are. We're still a young country. We're still, you know, building everything like that. We're, you know, we're growing further and further out, further out. And so we're not at like, we don't have a culture, essentially. Like, that's why I like living in a city. I like living around here. It feels like, even though it's like, in a, it feels like a country town. Because it's diverse. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you walk down the street, like, Pray and Windsor, Chapel Street during the day, where it's like all the locals, you walk down, hi, how you doing? Like, you know, you know, they're all the same people. Mm-hmm. Not much of a fan of the nighttime anymore, but like the daytime, it's r- nice. It's a real community. You go out to the suburbs, like on a like, shopping centre, white, sterile, Big brands, like, mm-hmm. I hate big brands, like, yeah. small local business, like, you know, not just, like, bombarded this shit that's, like, you know, made overseas in some sweatshop and they're pouring all the toxic chemicals into, the, like, no, like, go where you go to a business and you see the boss behind the counter and when you give money to the business, you're, like, giving it directly to them. Do you think there's been, with lockdowns and things like that, uh, not a paradigm shift, not as extreme as that, but just more of a conscious thought for people to support local since 
Or do you think it was very short-lived and has been forgotten? Mm. I think it's been a bit... People have forgotten a little bit, to be honest. People forget quick, don't they? Yeah. Like, you know, at the barbershop I worked at, my, like, everything's gone up. And, like, you know, we've increased the prices of haircuts. Mm -hmm. um, because, like, you know, all the barbers' rent has gone up too. Yep. And, like, you know... I think they said the cost of living in, in Australia has gone up 24% since the start of... COVID. My rent has gone up to, like, a quarter of my monthly wage. Like, it's not fucked. Um, and I live in a shared house. <laughs> Mm. And I, you know, my boss like increased the prices, so we can get paid more. Yeah, that's how small businesses work. And yeah. mate, it's been hard because even yeah. as a business owner, like uh, I get it. Like I've got huge amounts of deferred payments of yeah. rent and stuff that's coming up that kind of has me, you know, spinning my wheels just trying to for yeah. the next, you know, for for that timeline until yeah. we're back on the on the sort of even space and it's like, oh, well, you know, e everybody, it's almost to be expected that you're going to increase your prices. Definitely. But then I also have this um, maybe a moral discomfort within yeah. me knowing that, you know, we all are already a higher priced gym yeah. because of its sort of unique model in being quite exclusive and restricted to a capped number of members yeah. and things like that. And, uh, you know, everyone's already struggling yeah, to then go they're... increasing the prices again. It's like when I'm looking at the space of exercise, fitness and training, there's already so many psychological barriers and lifestyle barriers for people to make positive change to make the, I guess, the cost of that entry yeah. even higher. It just, it's something about it feels wrong for me. But in the same time, I guess, you know, it, it, all of these problems come with solutions. Yeah. And that's where I guess I've tried to create the app to be able to deliver my services to a greater level of uh, people with a much more affordable kind of yeah. range. You know what I mean? But I think people are starting to realise that, like, you know, when I started training and I was looking at memberships mm -hmm. um, and, like, like I'll talk to my housemate and she'll be like, oh, that's 30 bucks a week. That's expensive. I'm like, are you kidding me? Mm. I still drink three espresso martinis. It's all perspective, yeah. isn't it? You know, And I'm like, 30 context. bucks is a week or your health, yep. or something that's positive for you, or whatever, or however much, even if it's like a hundred bucks a week. Mm -hmm. Like you would, if you went out for a night, a dinner, couple of drinks, you would bat a night spending two hundred dollars. Exactly, same thing for anything that's sort of superficial. You yeah. need that new t-shirt for yeah. the weekend or whatever. You'll do it without blinking. Yeah, you know. But then when it's something that's like for your health, you'll you know you second guess it. Or I feel like that's um, tied in a little bit with kind of this instant gratification dopamine model yeah. in that, you know, we as a society, I believe, have become less and less patient because everything has become so accessible through technology. And I've spoken about this, you know, a few times on podcasts and things where it's like, you know, you used to want to, uh, you know, meet someone and ha find a, a intimate partner. Yeah. You had to go introduce yourself. You had to say, yeah. hey, can we go take you out for dinner? I'll pick you up on Friday night at eight. You'd go see them and then you might not see them again for a week. These yeah. days you're just swiping right. If yeah. you wanted to, you know, have, have food, we used to have to farm. We used to have to grow crops. 
um, you know, and produce your food. Now you're just entering on Uber Eats. You yeah. want to watch a movie, Magic Netflix, true. Stan. Yeah. You used to have to w- at least wait till it came out of the movies yeah. and, and wait in line. And it's like, so now there's this kind of unrealistic expectation that if we want something, we can have it pretty much immediately with a click of our fingers. But the human body and your health is the one thing that technology is not yeah. going to be able to bullshit. But I think that's like with like capitalism in the sense like everything is becoming a, a commodity mm-hmm. like you know like sex it's just a commodity it's lost its value everything's just got like a price tag on it or like you know um everything is about your convenience and quick and stuff but nothing is like you know you'd, when you'd watch a tv show every week you'd have to sit there watch it, it would mm-hmm. come on tv now they just put like 20 episodes and you just sit there binge watching or i'm guilty of that like i do that too mm-hmm. but um, everything is just about consuming. It's got no purpose. Like, I've, because, yeah, I've been listening to find really interesting, uh, like, political uh, systems and stuff. And a lot of people have been talking about, like, communism on s- things that I float through, um, which I don't agree with communism. I'm not a capitalist, but I think, like, the, if there should be, like, why not a new political system? Why not mm-hmm. realizing that? Oh, there's yeah, like I heard Joe Rogan say it once that it just when are we going to realise that it's kind of a stupid idea to be having this popularity contest yeah, with one person sure. that's fucking making all these decisions. Because then even looking at our politics, like, you know, we have they're like, oh, we can vote, we can do this. And it's like, oh, we have two options, really. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, even if... Which like, are probably all much one of the same definitely. when it comes down to the crooks of the crux. For sure, when you've got lobbying, like, you know, you have foreign investors donating to our politicians... To, to run their election, which is like, yeah, it was pretty funny. I was looking at how the ancient Greeks made democracy and they were, you had like the aristocrats and the Democrats and the aristocrats were like the liberal, like the rich people mm-hmm. and the Democrats were like the labour workers and stuff and they wanted to have no voting because they realised that voting, people can be swayed and all that and it was like, you know, luck of the draw, so everyone put their name in a hat and they pull out a name and that person's serving for that term, which, because they knew that, Voting can be, you know, manipulated and can be, so, you know, you've got random companies donating, which is a bribe, mm-hmm. you can call it a donation, but they bribe to politicians and then that politician to have a career, they, even if, because I don't believe people inherently bad, mm-hmm. I think they're just trying to make do and they're in their situation and, you know, I feel like if you get into politics, you get in because you're like, I want to make a difference. Like, I'm not good. Yeah, you might have entered with good intentions. Yeah, exactly. But then you end up having to, to make a lasting career. But then do you think it also, there's maybe some people in politics that, mm, how do I word this? Yeah, they've gone in with perhaps good intention, but also they then seize that opportunity to make up for the the lack of power they had or the way that they were treated. Because really, yeah. power will show you the true character of a person because it can corrupt. Definitely, but they could even be. They might it might be like a pure arrogance point of view. Like I'm doing this for the better, the greater good. I think I'm better. Like I'm I'm better than like I a know sense you. Of righteousness yeah. and superiority. But I'm, I'm smarter than you. I know what's best. Mm-hmm. And whether they think about like the economy or whatever, but that's the bit that um you know, and that's a nice segue into that topic. Actually, that's the bit that frustrates me a little bit about the some of the the laws and the legal system that's trying to tell you what you should and should be allowed to do yeah. provided it's you know not obviously influencing and affecting other people um and and what risks you should be allowed to yeah. take you know and and obviously I'm kind of talking about drugs there and before we even started recording you you shared with me that you've been 
four months sober now and we're just talking about Chapel Street and, you, you know, you alluded to not being as uh, as much of a fan of, of the nighttime yep. scene anymore. Um, yeah. And, yeah, man, tell me a little bit about that. What's been your journey over the last four months that's led you to sobriety? And, um, um, yeah. I just realised that, uh, like, I'm not going to achieve what I want to achieve if I continue living the way I'm going to be living. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be... I would ne- never necessarily, like, because I've always loved my job. Mm-hmm. And no matter what I did at night, I would always come to work. Yeah. But it got to a point where I was like, you know, how much money am I wasting? Who am I interacting with? Mm-hmm. And like you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not putting it off the table that maybe I'll never, you know, I'm never going to drink for the rest of my life. I'm not going to, you know, it's like a day by day thing. Mm-hmm. But like for now, I'm definitely feeling like, you know, I like need to be worried with focusing on my health. And I think that also comes into you know, like we're talking about kids when we were younger. Mm-hmm. And when I was younger, I was like. All this was like new and exciting, and I was like, "This is the best!" You know, fucking drinking or smoking weed or taking drugs or whatever. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that like I'm grateful for all my experiences because you know, for me, that was like the first indicator. Like, maybe the law isn't always right. Mm. Like, you know, I smoked a joint, and I'm like, I didn't die. Yeah, oh my yeah, god, yeah. they lied about you me. You didn't spiral into yeah. it. Yeah. I like, you know, took a pill and I went out and I danced for hours and I had the best time, you know, so much fun. Yeah. But then because like, you know. And how much of it can we see that I think one of the most purest examples of that is, um, you know, the demonization of any psychedelic, particularly with LSD and stuff. It was probably more in the 60s and things like that when it was kicking off and just saying how you were stupid if you were doing it now. It's only just finally catching up and in the sort of the science space and, you know, the nutritional and medical space, you know, the profound effects that are being found from, you know, post-traumatic stress disorders, mental health, depression, anxiety from single um, microdoses of psilocybin, you know, which is great. And of course those things need to be handled with due responsibility and care. For sure. Um, Well, I think that's like the major issue with it being illegal mm -hmm. by, you know, because say if like I like wanted to take, you know, wanted to, because even they're finding... MDMA with post-traumatic stress also mm-hmm. um, to all helping cancer patients to like towards the end. As yeah, like to, to find comfort with their yeah. idea of mortality and things. And if, you know, if you're like, say if you're going through that experience and you don't have a doctor to, to prescribe that to you mm-hmm. or to give that to you, you're relying on some drug dealer. Yeah. And the, the only issue with, yeah, making drugs illegal or making anything illegal is you're not stopping it happening. You're just making it dangerous for the people who want to do it. Mm-hmm. So, exactly, you're not going to stop. No. And let's be serious. If the government really wanted drugs to not be here, yeah. they wouldn't be. Yeah. But they're involved. Definitely. 100%. For sure. Well, you know, because like the whole world loves cocaine. You've got Mexico and Colombia owned by drug dealers. Yeah. And, you know, you create criminals when you make things illegal. You have like, you know, if there's like gang violence or whatever. If that would all disappear if drugs were legalized and controlled. Because then you have no criminals. You think people are going to be gangsters for fun? No, yep. they do it for money and they do it for a job, and they're providing a service to people who want to need. But if they like made everything, you know, like they try to, because I think it was like in the 1930s when, like, I find like the first generation very like interesting because like at one point in time, you used to be able to go to the you know chemists and buy like heroin tea, and you know cocaine was in Coca Cola, mm-hmm. and there were all these like you know 
normal remedies and things that the chemists and then one day the government was like no it's all legal Uh we're going to get rid of it and then you had like a dependency of people who were you know this was like their medicine and then all of a sudden it was like taken away um and they were the ones that struggled the most and then well i see that i've got i've got a a family friend uh who you know we didn't speak for nearly 10 years and uh recently sort of connected i actually really want to get him on the podcast sometime but he uh has a story very similar to that in that yeah. he, he was involved with sport just like I uh, developed uh, chronic pain uh, through, through his back and his spine and he was, you know, prescribed opiates, so yeah. endones and those kinds of um, those kinds of drugs and, you know, before you know it, they're, they're no longer prescribing yeah. him and he has an addiction. So, yeah. you know, basically the heroin's basically the same shit yeah. and, uh, you know, found himself down that really scary yeah. path, you know what I mean? Definitely. And, and yeah, has gone through the ringer. And with stuff like that, it's not just like, it's hard. You have like physical withdrawals. Mm-hmm. Like your body is like calling to it. Like, you know, you get your, it's like filling your body and then you're like, you get really ill. It's not something you can just stop overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like understanding with uh, the people that generally are, are like addicted they're not like addicted to a substance because you know you can try alcohol and not get addicted. Sure. Like understanding like what addiction is at the start. You're like dealing with like a mental trauma that you're trying yes. to you know or a trauma that you're trying to run from. Yeah. So by making drugs illegal, it's not fixing the problem. Yep. You need to like address each and but it's like very difficult for doctors to be because there's not a one fix answer. No, it's people. a complex issue. Yeah, hundred percent. It, so it can't be something that can just go. All right. It's no longer illegal. Yeah. Because that will come with its own Definitely. problems as well. But at least, like, if they make it legal... Because what's the difference? There's, there's legalisation and decriminalisation. So legalisation is where it's legal to sell. And, like, you know, you would have a shop, like, say, in America or the Netherlands or mm-hmm. Canada where you can go to, like, a weed dispensary. Like a dispensary. Well, they've got yeah. a couple of them in Australia now. Really? Yeah. Cool. So they've got... If you have a... But you need a card. You, you need to yeah. have a prescription. Yep, yep, yep. But, you know, and, and I think that's a good move. Like... Baby steps. A, again, don't... Like, a, any drug. Yeah. Whether it's legal, illegal. Fucking caffeine. Yeah. Is a drug. Yeah. So most people do drugs. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. They're just under this umbrella of disillusion that yeah. they're not doing anything bad. But they all come with consequences. But at the same time, I almost feel like... Uh, when we look at THC and CBD and those things being illegal, it goes, well, if they weren't illegal and they were accessible, how many things could that replace that are currently prescribed from the pharmaceutical industry, whether it be, you know, sleep issues, anxiety, uh, pain, you know, all the, probably the top sellers from Big yeah. Pharma. Yeah, definitely. Well, with, they would, it's almost like they, that's where you start to think like they don't want like, this is, like, an obvious answer mm-hmm. that would fix this problem. And it's, like, why are they taking so hard? And that's my issue with, like, democracy for a law to change. It can take ages. And it's, like, how many people need to suffer for these old people just to, like, realise, like, the science is there that will support this? Because, mm-hmm. like, my mum, she's got terrible arthritis. And I've been trying for ages to tell her that CBD oil will be good. She's, like, I'm not doing, not taking marijuana. But then she's on, like, pain relief medication. Yeah. And I'm, like, so you'd rather take that but not take this, like, why? Which is that perception we're talking yeah, about. The it. generation yeah. difference. 
but like yeah legalization would be that decriminalization means like which say in portugal they decriminalize all drugs that meaning like if you're caught possessing drugs you're yep. not going to jail yeah if it's personal use yeah it's um it's okay but if you're a drug dealer then that's wrong but they change their whole stance on drugs but, but i was going to bring up portugal because that's probably the the greatest example of where yeah. that's been changed but how long ago I mean, nearly probably 10 years no a bit longer a bit longer and they got they changed their laws because i think it was like something ridiculous like three percent of the entire country was addicted to heroin and i think it was maybe like 40 is, is that a that, that, that that's a, lot? a that's lot that's a lot yeah that's what i like would say if you know you have what would australia or america be I don't know. Well, don't. I think like in the scale of things, like if but you, you think about that, how much that actually like if you had a million, means. if you had a million people, three um, percent of a million is like, like what is it? three hundred. How's our mass? No, of no. a million, three hundred thousand, thirty thousand, thirty thousand. Yeah, that's still a lot of people. So that's just in a million. Yeah, um, well, it is. It's just three, three in one hundred. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of heroin and users. And then if you have say that in a whole country, yeah, like that's a lot. And it's then it was accumulate. like to a point where. People were then like, you know, then the heroin was really bad. They were like cutting like, concrete, yeah, or even concrete in it, and then people injecting concrete into their arm. Oh, you're kidding! As a mixer, and then their blood was clotting up, and they're having to get amputated limbs. It just got to next, and they tried like a more militant approach where they were just like going into smack houses and like beating up, you know, people. And then they're like, you know what? Maybe we need to change our approach. And they decided to give like clean, good heroin, and they found that. And you'd go to like a clinic, a nurse would do it to you, they'd watch you, make sure you're okay. And they, people would go in there and they would say, you know, I would have like whatever the amount that they would normally have. So in a there. bit like the safe injecting rooms yeah, that we've definitely. got here yeah, in the Victoria Street and, and yeah, Richmond. Uh, and Flinders? Is there yeah. still one in Flinders? I think so. Yeah. But they would find when they would get like good heroin, yeah. like the stuff that the doctor was making, they couldn't handle it. They're like, well, that's too much. Mm-hmm. And after like a certain amount of time, they found that they were reducing the amount that like that they were taking because they didn't need it. Because like the, if you're given it to it safely mm-hmm. and in a good environment, you won't overdose. Mm-hmm. It's like when you're trying to cause harm to yourself or if the drugs are bad and you don't actually know what you're putting in your body. It's interesting even just how we as a society have labelled some things as we accept that, but we don't accept that. So because heroin is most commonly probably injected yep. through a needle, we have a problem with that. Yeah. But cocaine is done about as casually as having a beer on a Friday night in yep. Melbourne these days. Yeah, for sure. You know, and it's just, it's a, it's another whack. Yeah, it's quite weird how your, our brain, I think like TV has something to do with that too. Like when you see cocaine on TV, so it's just like rich people doing it. It's been like, glamorised, Yeah, it? definitely. Like, I, you know, I know... Which is crazy because, again, like, you know, it's by far the most commonly used drug Definitely. in Melbourne and it, it is glorified and I personally hate it. Yeah, it, it makes me an introvert. Yeah. It makes me anxious. Yeah. It shuts down all my sort of yeah. social exploration yeah. and almost, to be honest, makes me want to go to bed. Yeah. But people do it. And I, and I believe that more people than... Uh, that are willing to admit it feel the same. I think so. But they just don't want to admit it because it's seen to be cool. Yeah. It's like, oh, and the whole thing of like, you know, if you're out, you know, go to the bathroom with your friends, do a line, da, 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 and it's just like, what, and, you know, so you can just, and then anything that you need something to help you with, mm-hmm. like, you know, if you need to be drunk to enjoy cocaine or you need to like 
because like I find it, you know I would only enjoy it if I was drunk short different but, yeah um, because then it's like balancing me out but if I was just doing cocaine everyone gives me the shits I just sit there like that person's really annoying me over there like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like in real like antsy but no I've like I stopped going out purely because I was like what uh, like I'm just you know to do this like repetition and insanity of like you know and I think that's like a bit of our culture you work Monday to Friday, bust your ass, and then, you know, go out on the weekend and numb the pain from your existence. And, you know, booze, you know? Again, yeah. if we talk about Australian culture or lack thereof, perhaps, yeah. like, how big is boozing it up yeah. in Australian culture? But just to our point of what we're talking about, because it's legal, yeah, people don't, you know, look at it with any concern. But if no. we compare the, you know, the health implications, yeah. it's probably one of the worst. Oh, and definitely. if it comes to addiction... It's almost the most dangerous to withdraw from. You'll well, die. Well, the reason why, like, alcohol is legal and all the other ones are because, like, the illegal version of alcohol is moonshine. Mm-hmm. And when alcohol was illegal, they had, like, moonshine distilleries and people were dying left, right and centre because it's, like... From that, moonshine? Yeah. Because like, what's the history of moonshine? What is just very it's pure, just like strong alcohol. It's yeah. pure alcohol, yeah. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, I know, right? It's, I'd like to try it, though. It's pretty hectic. Mm, you tried it? Yeah. Homemade? Yeah. Food? Yeah. yeah. Like one of my friends overseas is that maker. Do you just fun. drink it straight or do you put yeah, it with it's something? Like, oh, we had like just straight, but like after it's like... Be like, like fire. Like pure diesel. Like, like, yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty strong. Like you definitely feel like a little sip. But if you... Alcohol poisoning. Is, is it... Uh, it, would you say that the high and the effect is the same as alcohol, but obviously it's like drunk. much quicker? Yeah, much quicker because it's like... Because you know, of the, yeah, the purity and the strength yeah. of it all. But, and then like we'll... Or when it, whenever they made drugs illegal, they made, you know, then the drug dealer or whoever is trying to make it as strong and as compact as possible. Because, mm-hmm. like, yeah, say when heroin was legal, it was like a tea. And when cocaine was legal, it was in a drink. Mm-hmm. So them making it illegal actually made it more dangerous and, like, worse for everyone to consume. Mm-hmm. So it literally makes no sense. I wonder sometimes with cocaine... Uh how much of the leaf, the cocoa leaf, is actually contributing to the yeah. high? When you look at the production process with, you know, acetone, cement, yep. uh, yeah. everything that, that goes into actually making, you know, like, yeah. how much of that leaf is actually left doing yeah, not much. what is doing? Especially you know by I mean? the time it comes from Colombia all the way to Australia anyway. And, mate, that's the thing that I can't get my head around is, like, Australia probably has the highest cocaine price in the world yep. because it's so far away from its origins. And, you know, for the common person on the street, you're probably paying $350 for 0.3, 0.4 yep. of a gram because only it, it's, it's bagged in a 0.8. Yeah, and then it's and cut, it's with cut with at least 50% creatine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's madness, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I no, know. I don't... And I, But I think it's like the social thing. Like, I found... That's what I mean. It's so candor. Like, I stopped going out and, well, one, it's been good. I've saved so much money. Yeah. It's been awesome. Um, but two, my life has no drama. And, like, you I was know. I say, how's your mental health for making those changes? Yeah. Uh, I, like, I worry that I'm never going to be, I haven't gone to any social events yet. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I'm, I don't think I'm ready for it. Do you feel anxious about the idea? Yeah. Or? Like, I went to, on Friday, my friend was at, Lucky cock, and I was there for like an hour, and I'm like, but I think it was just like, I don't know how to talk to everyone, was really fucked. It's hard to walk into any situation when people are on a very different level. Yeah, to and you. they're like, yeah, uh, and I'm like, just don't touch me. 
have do, do you feel like um, there's a bit of a, a daunting reality perhaps that there's certain people that you used to associate and be social with all the time and you're coming to realise that those uh, relationships are only built on the foundation of being fucked up and beyond being fucked up together, which is good fun. But yeah, How yeah, much yeah. do you really have in common? Well, the big eye-opener for me that made me... I caught up with, like, an ex-girlfriend of mine, mm-hmm. like, and this was, like, the day after I saw her was the day I went so well because, like, she was, like, the ex, like, oh, maybe I still love her. Or whatever, or I don't know. We had a really toxic, drug fueled relationship, mm-hmm. and then like you know, she was like going to catch up. It'd been years, and I remember sitting there and talking to her, and I'm like, "Wow, I feel nothing towards you, and you're actually annoying me." <laughs> <laughs> and then she was still the same, and I was like, "What?" Was, and I was just sitting there going, "What was I attracted to?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I was really high the whole time." Mm-hmm. Like, and then I was like, "Oh, yeah, the foundation of my her and my relationship was like." getting really fucked up and having crazy sex and which is fun like fine but that's not like a good foundation for that and then after seeing her and then I thought wow since I was like you know 18 the foundation of all my friendships and most of the people in my life are is going out and getting fucked up mm-hmm. and and I don't want to I feel bad saying that because like those people aren't bad people there's no judgment and everyone's like on their own journey and doing their own thing and just, you know, just because I'm doing one thing, I might not even necessarily be correct. And, you know, but I'm taking it like my moment in my life and like what I need to do and what I need to achieve. Like this is like, I just need to take a step back. So what actually was the straw, if you don't mind, <laughs> None at all. that actually broke the camel's back there that gave you that decision to make a change? Um, it was honestly after seeing her and then like just, you know, thinking, well, I've been just partying. So it was kind of like a bit of a mirror. It was a bit of a mirror because Mm. she's that, but I used to be into that. And I'm like, I'm a little bit like that too. Like, you know, I'll party and do all this stupid shit. And I was like, what am I, you know, if I don't, if I don't take a real hard look at myself, Mm. all my dreams, everything I want to achieve, they're just going to be pipe dreams. And I want to be, you know, and work. And I'm, I'm so grateful for where I work. Like my boss, she's so calm. She's so lovely. Nikki. Yeah, Nikki's she's the best. Legend. Oh yeah. man, I was, you know, she's dealt with me on all levels of all my shit, and she's just this calm, strong. She works. She's the boss, and she works harder than everyone else. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, she's someone who I really, really admire, uh-huh. and I would love to have like a business like hers one day, and like the community. You know, at a, a barbershop's like turnover rate is like one year. You know, I've been there for like four years. Like, you know, everyone in that shop has been there for over two or three years. Jake's back now too, Jake's isn't he? Because well. he's yep. in the UK. Yep. Yeah, there's a good little crew in there. Yeah, and like, and she doesn't like rule us with like an iron fist. Like, you know, if I have a, like, if I'm off like the other week, I was just like, my moods were a bit up and down because like I was, um, you know, like back in training, dealing with other shit. Um, just mean sleep, not good friends. I can't sleep properly. What's, what's going on with your sleep cycle? Um, that, have, just insomnia, struggling to get to sleep? Like, I've quit smoking weed even longer than four months. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I re- I've relied on weed for, like, 14 years of my life to help me sleep. Mm-hmm. So, And it's interesting, you know, like, uh, again, I sort of even mentioned it before that, you know, the, those the marijuana could play a place in, you know, 
helping people with insomnia or sleep issues yeah. and replacing that from things like Valium or Xanax or whatever it may be. Definitely. That I think is a better choice. But at the same time, uh, we need to understand that it's the quality of sleep. You might conk out, yeah, but you're in much more of a place of sedation and we often don't experience our REM sleep which is, you know, our, our dreaming activity, yep. which is an integral part to, I guess, our overall mental health development and well-being because in, in many ways that dream sleep plays a role in allowing us to re-experience traumatic events without the adrenaline secretion, which somewhat takes air out of the tyres in terms of its severity when yep. we remember it, Yeah, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so ha- have you found that uh, since coming off... Um, or stop smoking weed, you've had a big influx of dream activity? Yeah, definitely. Like, very randomly. Mm. Um, I, yeah. Like, I, I wish I should start writing them down. But, like, I, because mm. I can't sleep longer than, like, three hours in a stretch. Mm-hmm. And then I wake up. And then, like, I have, like, a kind of dream when I first wake up. So, say, if I go to bed at, like, midnight, I'll wake up at three. Mm-hmm. And then it takes me a while to go back to sleep. And then I'm, like, in a daze. And I like, kind of have a dream then, and then I'm in a daze, and then I wake up. Are you using anything to try and supplement to improve your sleep? I tried melatonin, didn't work. Um, Especially after someone who's had a history with drug use, it's like, fuck off, mate. With the yeah. melatonin, you might as well give me a Tic Tac. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like when the doctor gave me Zopiclone, which is like, I don't know, some <clears throat> sleep drug. Um, yeah, it just made me feel shit as in the morning. Like, you, you probably, because do you have issues getting to sleep or more just staying asleep? Um, bit of both. Bit of both. Yeah. I think, like, I'm trying to, like, you know, I pretty much plan my whole day hoping that I get to sleep at night. Like, I wake up, meditate, go to work, finish work, go to the gym. I think I'm eating dinner too late. That can affect your sleep, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, ideally, I'd recommend to be trying to finish your last meal two hours before you probably want to go to bed and sleep. Okay, true. That, that's I'll a take one. that note. And then and, and I'm trying not, not to look at my phone or TV before I go to bed as well. Yeah, that's a that's a massive one. Because that obviously inhibits the secretion of the melatonin that helps us go to sleep. Yeah. But magnesium is probably more responsible for keeping us to sleep. So it's very common that people are like, yeah, I'm already taking magnesium. But we yep. need to understand magnesium is like a family name and there's a lot of different members of that family that do different things. So have a look. I'll happily send this through a few recommendations yeah. for them. But there's glycinate and threonate, um, which are two forms of magnesium which actually cross the blood-brain barrier, which is going to help have that sort of calming effect and promote yeah. deeper sleep for sure. Um, what time are you waking up in the morning? Uh, because good quality sleep yeah. starts with morning sunlight exposure. Yeah. See, d- during summer, I was up at 6 a.m. at the gym, yep. killing it. Um, winter came, ruined my routine. Well, uh, went to a music festival, destroyed myself, and ruined my routine. Mm-hmm. Um, That'll do it. Low on iron, low on B12, I had to get infusions, everything, destroyed myself. Yeah. Um, uh, then was trying to get back into a routine, and then I just couldn't wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, signed up to a gym, it was just like too big. And then I realized like my whole thing was going, I was like not going because I was, like, anxious about going to a big space and working out. Yep. Um, and I just, like, cancelled my membership, and then I go to see a PT. He's got, like, a small gym in his garage, one-on-one. Yep. No, like, he's, like, yeah, friend, no anxiety. Comfortable environment. Yeah, definitely, because I realised there's, like, a million reasons why not to go to the gym, and there's only, like, one really, one reason to actually go to the gym. 
Because you can come up with so many, like, excuses. Yeah, you not can to tell go. yourself the story. Yeah, oh, it's like, oh, it's a little bit raining out there. Oh, it's a bit cold. Mate, it really is, um, you know, the, I'm going to come back to the sleep in a second, but I just, that's so much of the challenge to go to the gym yeah. is just turning up. Yeah. And, you know, that's why I'm a big uh, advocate of things like saunas and ice baths. Nobody likes yep. getting into an ice bath. Yeah. But you are making a deliberate choice to do something that you don't want to do. Yeah. And then you're in there and every single cell in your body is telling you to get out. Yeah. And you by, you know, focusing on the breath, controlling your nervous system, yep. uh, basically training yourself to stay calm in a stressful environment. Um, it's it's changing your psychology and then all of a sudden when we are tired, it's yep. not a matter of discipline because you're in the habit of doing things yeah. that you don't want to do. But that doesn't happen overnight. No, It yeah. needs a lot of consistency. Well, I'd like if I just gave up trying to go to the gym in the morning. I'm like, I'm not, it's not happening. And I'm like, fine, let's go straight off to work. Yeah. But then I finished. Yeah, I find that impossible. Yeah, I sh- it, it wasn't easy. Um, like, it, yeah, I still struggle with it, but I just like, fuck it, jump on my motorbike, let's go straight, to go straight there, don't even think about it. Because mm. I just wasn't waking up. Now that, I'm slowly getting a bit better. Mm. Like I think when the I'm just not a winter person, man. I want to hibernate. Life's better when the sun's out, man. Yeah. So I think like in, when the weather gets a bit better, I'll, I'll start in the morning again. Have you ever heard of or ever tried mouth taping at night time? No. Shut my- yeah, it's as, it's as simple as what it sounds. I've no because, but I feel this is because I'm realizing I'm waking up dehydrated, like my mouth is dry, and I'm thinking. I put those things on my nose that make over yeah, that, that pull the sinuses apart. Yeah, and yeah. I, yeah. So I have that um, because I'm realizing I'm breathing through my mouth so much while I'm yes, sleeping. Yes, and yeah. that, that's why I'm asking. Okay, is that a thing you take? Mate, it's a thing. Okay. Um, it's it's becoming more known, becoming more studied, more confirmed. Um, there's because essentially, and again, if you're waking up with dry mouth, dry lips, all those things, that's probably the biggest telling sign that somebody's a chronic mouth breather. But we really, noses are, are built for breathing. So not only is there a uh, multi-level filtration system that is operating through the nose, so the, the fine hairs in our nose, the sinuses, even through the tonsils, the ridges uh, where the nose meets the throat, all of those things are helping produce white blood cells and play a role in our immune system and obviously taking out air pollutants and um, microbes and stuff out of the air. So when we're looking at allergies and um, you know inflammation, yeah. that's all bypassed when we breathe through the mouth. When we breathe through the mouth, that is a parasympathetic, so a fight or flight, type uh response where breathing through the nose is um sympathetic yeah hang on i think i might have got those around the wrong way but either way that's yeah, rest yeah, yeah. and d- digest calming calming us down so on top of that as well the sinuses are responsible for producing like 60 percent of the body's nitric oxide not to be confused with nitrous oxide which is happy gas and yeah, la- yeah. makes you makes you laugh so the nitric oxide is important for acetylcholine production in our neurotransmitters vasodilation blood flow and that's where it plays a role in like sexual health as well from okay. being able to maintain an erection sure. um but yeah not breathing through your nose can have a huge impact on you being able to achieve deep restorative sleep quality so of course we don't want to, uh, if, if you've got any nasal obstruction that you, you don't want to be obviously taping someone's 
mouth shut. Um, and it's probably a good idea to practice, get comfortable, ease your nerves and stress about this while awake, while reading a book or watching some TV, but using yeah. some paper tape, probably fold the end of it. You can get specific ones that are actually made for the lips, um, but it's little white masking sort of yeah. paper tape does the job, but just then you've got a little release tab. Um, and then breathe through your nose while watching TV. And even if somebody's got a little so bit... So like of a little while before you go to sleep. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah. Just, just, just to get familiar with it first to yeah. go, oh, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. And even people that have got a little bit of nasal congestion, you'll find that that actually regulates pretty quickly. And from there, I will typically try and implement like a four by four by four breath. So breathing in for four seconds, exhaling for four seconds, holding the exhale for four seconds, which has a, I guess, a manipulation or balances the carbon dioxide exchange as well, which buffers your blood. So I don't know, give it a go, man. There's I a lot, lot, of, lot of people have, uh, have reported great findings from, from mouth taping. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, man. I will, it's literally just this morning because I woke up and I was like, man, where's the water? Like yep. parched as, um, and then I was like, I think I'm just like breathing. And it was the, the last time I could do it. Forgot to put the my strip on. Yeah. Yeah. And that'll um, be in great combination with the. Uh, yeah. Because like, I definitely did have better sleep with that one on. But yeah, it's hard trying to just get, you know, shut my eye. I'm like, I know as soon as I like lie down, my mind just uh, goes awake. And it was just like something for so long. I just like smoked a joint, you know, chilled yeah. out. Shuts off the thoughts. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. Um, that was probably like the. Hardest thing because I, you know, started smoking not fair, like consistently from like you know fifteen, sixteen, then much more regularly as I was like eighteen plus, and then it was just like every day, um, and it was just like such a normal thing, mm-hmm. and I think like, well, you know, like drugs becoming legal and regulating and knowledge like educating people with them is probably much better than you know. Me being some stoner in the suburbs, mm-hmm. like just you know smoking weed with my mates in some car park. Do you, reckon, do you reckon there's like an element like that kids and stuff we want to try drugs just because we're told we're not allowed to? Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, and 100%. when we stop trying to rule, like educate with fear, because it, I feel like that just backfires massively. Because yeah. like you said, you you get told your whole youth that if you do this, you will be this, or this yeah. will happen. Yeah, and then you do that anyway. Yeah, because that's what kids, teenagers yeah. do, and then you realize that's not true. Yeah, and then it's almost like you dive even deeper. Oh, for sure. For me, it. it was just like the whole thing. Like I was like, they lied about that. What else did they lie about? Mm. You know. And I was like raised fairly religious, and like my people who I would say like inspired me the most. And I'm grateful. Like you know, Sam Harris or I know their name. Yeah, yeah he's great. And then like he got me into like meditation. Um, You'd like Gabor Mate, wouldn't you? You don't know Gabor Mate? No. Oh, he's um, cool. he's right into I guess trauma healing and psychology, yeah. mate. He would be right up your alley. Cool. Spent years and years, I think, in um, Germany and hot, like underground with all the heroin addicts. And yeah, was awesome. there. I'll send you some of his yeah, stuff. Definitely. He's one of my favorite people to listen to. He's got the most soothing yeah. voice and nice. good accent to listen to too, as well. But yeah, he's epic. Well, cause he like, talks all about addiction and it's yeah. rooting from trauma. Well, like when I got into meditating, like I'm. Um, one that that's what got me into trying to make my body physically strong. How do like, you meditate? Talk me through your meditation. Um, I do like well uh, now. I've, uh, at the start, I was doing like a guided meditation with Sam Harris. He's got it called the Waking Up Podcast, um, and he offers it for free or if you can't afford it. Yeah. Um, or 
you can pay for it. And I was like, yeah, well, man, like, and I was like, oh, free. And he's like, but, you know, if you can't afford it, we do that. And I was like, no, like, you deserve my money. I'm going to pay what was like a hundred bucks for you. Fuck it, what's a hundred bucks? Uh-huh. Um, and it's like a 30 day thing, uh, th- like a me- 10 minutes every day. Uh-huh. Um, and he talks about like, so like close your eyes, take a few deep breaths, um, relax your face and like, you know, follow your breath and then spread like your consciousness uh-huh. through your body with like each breath and like, you know, so- slowly relax your, your face to your chest, to your stomach and then just become like aware of your body. Uh-huh. Um, I, that's how I start my meditation. Then he, like, I think it's, like, day 15, he's, like, you know, project your consciousness. And I'm, like, well, he's October. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I'm, I get that. That's, that's, the, like, yeah. that's the issue I've had sometimes with the guided stuff is yeah. that, A, it's really hard to find somebody's voice who doesn't agitate me yeah. and distract me from it. And then, yeah, some of it just feels almost becomes a little bit distracting or yeah. irrelevant. Well, I found... Um, Did uh, your breath work? Yeah, and I do. So that was like, I found mindful meditation like harder to get into. So I do like uh, Wim Hof breathing, and then yes. I meditate afterwards. How many rounds of Wim Hof do you go through? Um, I do like three. Where like forced like every day. I'm like, I just got to do three. Yeah. Um, and then if I'm feeling good, I'll do like four or five. Yeah. Um, but I do that just to like really open up my breath and everything, and then I find. Because I, you know, when you do mindful meditation, mm-hmm. you mainly want to be aware of your breath. Sure. So once you've done Wim Hof, you're very much aware of your breath. Mm-hmm. So it's like easier to be calm. Um, but I, yeah, when uh, like I definitely have a bit of trauma from my things that I found. Uh, like when uh, it's one thing if you've got certain things in your past and you are meditating, mm-hmm. as you are like spreading, like you becoming calm and everything. Or trauma stored in the tissue. Yeah. Mm. Um, I definitely found a lot of things coming up. Um, and this is why uh, uh, you, if you can like have someone to like, that you like having your like tribe or people that you feel comfortable with that you can talk about your meditation because I was like doing it all by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, you know, all this like guilt and things from my past and I was just like randomly calls like during lockdown as well randomly calling family and I was like oh man do you remember that thing like you know five years ago I'm so sorry about that and they're like what the fuck are you talking about but that's about? nice <laughs> yeah. that's nice but uh, it also nice but also reading the room like and also realising where the forgiveness uh, like um are you because like was I calling to say sorry or was I calling for a selfish thing conscience. to clear my conscience? Yeah. Um, and it was like a bit of both, mm-hmm. but it was more selfishness. I was like, I'm going to call, say this, but and I'm going to feel better. Be able to recognize it. Yeah. How was Where, it received? Um, yeah, no. <laughs> good and bad? <laughs> no, not very good. Uh, my auntie, surprisingly, she dealt with it, and we're not, um, I don't talk to her as often. She actually took it on really well. Yeah. Um, my sister, not so much. She was just like, what the fuck? You cooked right now? And I'm like, no, I'm really good right now. I'm actually not cooked. That's why I seem it. <laughs> um, so she was like a little bit weird about it. But yeah, I realized like, um, you know, doing things like, you know, if you're, uh, and it didn't immediately make me feel better. Like I got it off my chest. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, real forgiveness needs to come from like within you. You need to forgive yourself. And that's, like, much harder. Just because you say the words, because much. everything, like, me, guilt, carry, I carry guilt a lot harder. Uh-huh. That's why, like, now I'm, especially, like, I don't live with 
if um, any regret whatsoever. Because like if I don't do or do something, mm-hmm. that will haunt me forever. So like I will just do exactly or say or everything what I feel. Mm. Because like otherwise I will I will carry that and I can't deal with that shit. So I get it. The forgiveness to yourself is really hard. Uh, and I try and and I'm not very good at it. Yeah. But I try and find acceptance yeah. with the past by believing that they were all the things that I had to actually go through and experience to become who I actually am today and have the perspectives that I do also. Yeah. And without them, you couldn't be. Yeah, you wouldn't be where you are now, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still trying. Like, I noticed as I was meditating, I could calm. Yeah, I was good up until about my stomach. My stomach, I held so much tension. Um, Mate, I'll tell you a story. I had, um, it was, was in one of the first lockdowns, actually. Yeah. And I was in a bad place. And I've spoken about this on the podcast before. Yeah. Mentally, I was in you know, a really bad place. So to the point where I was at, um, at the hardware store and got caught staring at rope for like 10 minutes. So I was mentally, yeah. I was fucked. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it was around that time that I decided that I was going to do a really big uh, heroic dose of psilocybin. And um, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I, I did a did a massive dose of psilocybin and uh, found myself in bed. It had all been planned out, like with sort of a playlist which was going to be somewhat the shuttle and the yeah, journey yeah. Yeah. that uh, carried me. And, and, you know, for the first hour, I experienced a hell of a lot of savagery yep. in my mind um, and I was that that savage but through that anyway it doesn't really matter where the, the trip went and obviously turned into a great deal of po- positive um, positivity and acceptance but you're talking about the discomfort in the body yeah. right and you know I hadn't uh, back then had you know I'm not really a massive yogi or you know have understood much beyond just my um, hearing about chakras yeah. And stuff like that. And in that moment, I quite literally identified the chakras and the blockages in my body. So I had two places that I could feel yeah. it stuck. And again, like I've had some experience with psychedelics and you hear about ayahuasca and the purging. And, and I'm like, fuck, I don't want to sit there in the bush shitting on myself <laughs> and spewing on myself. And like, yeah. you know, I'm not about that. Yeah. Um, and was quite, you know, resistant to that idea but found myself in the bathroom literally on the can in the nude off my head bathroom next to me and just letting it rip but it was those chakras the trauma that we explained created in the brain stored in the tissue and the purging was quite literally getting it out of my body it was a a remarkable experience and again from the mental place of what I was in to afterwards night and day did you feel after that because I've had um, psychedelic experiences where the next day I was like depleted or oh, wiped and it took me a while to recover mm-hmm. like and then to get back into because like you know I was very confronted with the emotions oh, yeah. and things that I felt so it wasn't like I because um, like yeah that's me like tripping in the bush being you know loose mm-hmm. um, and have, that's why it like, would be amazing. Like uh, when you see how they do these like psychedelic therapies now, mm-hmm. you, know, you have guidance and people you talk to and stuff. And I'm like, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, on some level, I've like seen somewhere you're just in a hospital bed and 
tripping and there's like a doctor looking at you, I think that would wig me out. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't <laughs> do that, yeah. Where, but like in a healthy environment to like bounce off, but like, you know, I had... Yeah, with a proper shaman who's... Yeah, or someone, yeah. Someone who's trained to do yeah, that. Because yeah. um, like I remember like the next day I was like really caught up and I was like, fuck, I've been an idiot my whole life. I've like did that, did this, I'm not going anywhere. Mm. And then like, you know, after a little while I was like, oh, well, you know, let it go. You know, you don't have to be that same person. You're growing. You're changing. Yeah. If you don't want to do the, if you don't want to do those things, you don't want to feel those things. Today's <clears> a new day. But yeah. it took me like a while to, because it's just confronted with all these. Yeah, so like, much. I, yeah. I get what you mean. And and again, I've had people come share just because I've been comfortable comfortable to speak publicly about it. I've yeah. had people come and share their experiences with me, and it's been a combination of good and bad. And that's why I always speak very carefully about. You know, I'm not here promoting these things and believe yeah. that it has to be handled with due responsibility Definitely. and care. And it's never something that should be ever pushed upon someone like that, like recreational drugs, for example, doing a line of coke. You know, a lot of people probably feel peer pressured to do a line of coke yeah. and they didn't enjoy it. But whoop de whoop, an hour later, you'll probably be yeah. pretty much fine again yeah, yeah. for the most part. Yeah. But you are fucking with somebody's consciousness yeah, and, and psyche here. And I think. You know, when we when we look at it, it's like on average we have sixty thousand thoughts per day, with ninety six percent of them being said to be subconscious. Yeah. And those subconscious thoughts and beliefs are what's been molded over yeah. your entire lifetime of you know exposure and experience. And if you've never tapped into that subconscious yeah. with mindfulness practices, with yeah. journaling, with meditation, even with you know lower doses of some sort of psychedelic, it could even be weed. It could be. Yeah. You know, again, smaller doses of yeah. this stuff. And now all of a How sudden... How long was your trip? For hours. Yeah. Probably, um, probably about four or five, five hours. Yeah. At least. Like, re- really built up over the first hour, probably peak were you, intensity. Were you, like, visually hallucinating? Yeah, massively. Yeah. I was... Um, do you feel like it helped, like, if you didn't do that, mm. would you still be staring in the hardware store at the rope like or do you do you think like uh, that no was, i don't i don't think yeah. like again like, when when we look at that like you know i've had my ups and downs with yeah. mental health and have been met with um suicidal thoughts yeah. i suppose but i've never really felt possessed by them where i thought i was actually going to go through yeah. with it rather than just uh finding appeal in the fantasy yeah. of going well fuck your problems would be over yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know what i mean definitely. like you yeah. know more of that kind of place so um i i don't think i would be stuck there no yeah. um but, but that I was certainly, like a huge help but, though, but, that, but it was a, it was a huge help because definitely. it replaced uh, a mindset that was filled with uh scarcity and things that have been taken from me yeah. to replace with okay what am i grateful for and i almost yeah. more had this Mate, stop complaining, you little bitch. Like, if yeah. even though your business is shut down right now and you've got financial problems, all this stuff, you've got a roof over your head, you've got family, you've got people yeah. who love you, you, you know, it, it, your your reality is where you put your attention. Yeah, yeah, and it just it just helped me adjust exactly what yeah. my attention and focus point was. Yeah, but um, you know, it was a super super intense experience and one that you know is on brand with the way I do things, diving yeah. into the deep end. And yeah. it wasn't the first time I'd ever ever experienced psychedelics before but i can completely understand that and would say to people you're gonna probably more likely have a traumatic experience if you don't build yourself up to these things because it's a hell of a lot of information coming out of a really small hole in a really fast time and don't be surprised when you get met with some pretty full-on shit and feel like there's a long time to recover from that 
uh, because of how much information there is to process. Hence, why always in big doses, you know, I feel. But I also think you're like exhausted the, after. For sure, and also like telling people, like you know, I remember one of my friends. He called me. Um, uh, he was we we worked together, and he called me one morning, and he's like, "Straw," I'm like, "Yeah," he's like, "I need your help." I'm like, "What?" It was like seven in the morning, and he's like, oh, "I took acid last night, and I can't sleep." <laughs> Is this, like, normal? And I'm like, did you smoke weed? He's like, yeah. I'm like, you shouldn't smoke weed when you're on acid. It's, like, got a psychoactive ingredient. It, like, you know, the THC, like, boosts the acid, makes you trip more, and you're not going to sleep. And he's like, oh, I thought it was going to make me sleep. And I'm like, no, it won't make you sleep. I'm like, eat food. Like, that's the other thing with psychedelics. If you eat food and drink orange juice, it, like, takes away the trip a little bit more, too. Mm. I'll tell you one thing that's actually said to make the trip better is mangosteen. Okay, cool. The fruits. Nice. I can't tell you how or why. Yep. My friend Lucas Owen, who's a brainiac, yep. he did a post about it once and uh, I put it to the test. I, I don't know if it made any difference, but scientifically it's, it sounds, it says, sounds yeah, legit. For sure. Mm. I'll have to try Mango that. Yeah. Yeah. Nice fruit too. Yeah. I'll have to try that one. But yeah, they there's like things that can work, either make it harder or take it away. Well, um, I think that, that goes with drugs in general. overall. Yeah, because, for sure. And are you and familiar knowledge. with Dr. Carl Hart? No. Uh, he's a big advocate for the things that we've been talking about yeah. today and you know he's done TED Talks as well and he's a big um, promoter of sort of legalisation of drugs and taking away from the idea of anything being good or bad and he even says that he has a hit of heroin the day before he does a TED Talk and he's a doctor. Yeah, yeah. Um, fuck, where was I going with that? What, what were we... How, uh, un- understanding of safety. Oh, yeah, so, and yeah. Um, you know, I, I heard him discussing just that so many overdoses aren't from an individual drug being dangerous but rather the lack of education and understanding around yeah. compounds together that you're taking too many things in the one direction maybe yeah. downers might be an opiate with a xanax with alcohol yeah you know it's a yeah. nasty recipe whereas yeah. you said before for example if you're really really drunk and then that's where maybe Cocaine. a line of coke might yeah. actually come to a place of benefit yeah, for you because yeah. it's pulling you back into that center ground yeah mm. yeah the, uh, or that's why there's like literally no sense with making drugs illegal, you know, from a safety point of view, from like a, like having criminals point of view, and even like a financial point of view, the amount of money that they could generate. Because like I think pretty sure rehab in Australia is like ten grand a month. It ain't cheap, no. Mm. And that's probably level entry. Yeah, like it can go up definitely. So like if you had drugs legal, and then with the money that they make from selling drugs, you could then help people. Where now we have people addicted to drugs with no money generated to help them. But again, that's all the government bullshit. It's like yeah. how when they increased the prices of cigarettes and they said that they're going to use the increased uh, tax no. value to go back into the healthcare system. I think less than 1% of that revenue yeah. did. No, it's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, like, as a business owner in Melbourne, mm-hmm. do you worry for your future here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it certainly ain't getting any easier. Yeah. Um, you know, we pay more tax than any other state. Yeah in the country um but you know even did you grow up in melbourne no i grew up in tassie yeah um and then you know traveled a fair bit as a kid and uh yeah found myself in melbourne to kind of get out of the uh small little bubble of which tassie tassie's beautiful but it comes with its good and bad like a lot of small places but um do i think my long-term future's here no Probably not, um, and that's a large part is that I uh, I moved to Melbourne for the opportunities that exist with business in the biggest city in the, in the country. Uh, 
because it would have been very hard to do what I wanted to do in yeah. Tassie, um, as it's always about probably 10 years behind. Um, very blue-collar work, probably less disposable income, yeah. those kind of things. Um, but from a lifestyle perspective, you know, Melbourne's been great, the big city, but I the thing I loved about Tassie is just, although it's a little bit colder, it's beautiful. It's a lot of outdoors, yeah. a lot of nature. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're, they're, when I look at the... It really aligns with, I think, my message of what Living Rewired is meant to represent in terms of, you know, physical connection with the earth. And when we look at the the status of um, whether it be metabolic health or whether it be mental health, we are sicker and fatter and more miserable than we have ever been. Yeah. And I look at the uprising of that, um, or the deterioration is probably a better word, yeah. of um, human well-being. And what's brought that on? Well, I yeah. think so much of it is, enti- is tied in with our environment of the modern world and physical Definitely. detachment from, you know, the earth and and the way that you know we have done things naturally. We are still for a long time. Yeah, we're still animals, even though. Yeah, well, yeah I mentioned that book to you ages ago, Lost Connections. Yeah, I've got it written down here. But Chasing the Scream and Lost yeah. Connections. Tell so me about that book. So Chasing the Screams, like he talks about everything that we've spoken about uh, with like drug use and the first like from 100 years ago when drugs were illegal mm-hmm. and then the step-by-step process like uh like it was very like racially charged when they became illegal and it was like it happened in america first and they were like targeting like you know don't be around like african-american people they're all on drugs they're all and it was like a way to like make turn like people who like when segregation was ending and slavery was done it was their way of like targeting black people initially mm. and that was like instead of saying like you're going to jail because you're black you know you've got drugs on you you've got alcohol you're going to jail because of that um and it was their way of targeting that and then it just kind of like escalated over time but then lost connections talks and then yeah pretty much everything we've touched about talks about uh portugal and all these things um, but then Lost Connections is like the history of antidepressants, mm. which is really interesting. And it would like, cause they were invented like shortly after World War II. Um, and they were, you know, everyone was depressed and they were like, oh, and their understanding was if you're depressed, you have like a lack of serotonin. You must have a serotonin deficiency. And we're yeah. coming to realize now that that ain't actually no. what's the issue here. No. And this, uh, it's, I've got it written down on my notes page. I've got a, um, another woman coming in after we're done here chatting and she's a, a clinical psychotherapist yep. and ha- talks a lot about mental health yep. in the nutritional space as well. And, and uh, I'm definitely going to have a chat with her about yeah. SSRIs because again, it's just, it's the blanket approach, man. You go to the doctor and you, and then this is, this is where I'm trying to position myself in some ways is that I have no illusion that I'm ever going to be the smartest person in the room, but I don't think the future of health requires uh, a specialist it requires a really good generalist and yeah. someone that understands the basic fundamentals because you go to a doctor what do they do they put you on pills and prescribe you or they might refer to the psychologist you go to the psychologist and that's great you talk about your feelings yeah. and that has its place but if there's no nutritional element in there as well there's just yeah. these missing building blocks you know and i think we need a really generalized approach Definitely. to make positive change well especially with like you know saying there's, you know, if you've got the human body, it's got like, yeah, everything going on within it. Mm-hmm. Then also you have everything going on out of it as well. Yeah. So like when antidepressants came around, it was shortly after World War Two, and everyone was depressed and they're like, oh, you must, it must be the serotonin. And it's like, no, maybe they just went through a world war. Mm. And, you know, there's this whole <laughs> cultural shift that's existing. Mm. Um, and they, you know, quick fix problem was taking that. But the problem with antidepressants is you build up a tolerance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what are you going to do? Take more and more and then the withdrawal. Yeah, there's an adaptation yeah. to it. Yeah. 
Um, and, and mate, all, all it's doing, it is a band-aid because it's selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. It's just yep. recycling synthetic serotonin around the brain. So what's going to happen when you stop taking it? Yeah. And um, yeah, in that book, there was a lady who, she was like a Chilean um, professor and she was like, um, uh, grew up in like the jungles with her family and was always really happy. And then she went to go study biology in um, London and she said she was like depressed instantly while studying there like living in the city and she was like studying chimpanzees and bonobos at the zoo and you know when you see them in the wild they don't show any forms of mental health problems well you see those some of those clips yeah. that pop up of people like um i guess interviewing um cultures and societies in africa and things like that and you ask them you know if they're depressed and they they don't know what depression is yeah yeah literally they're just living mm. where that these are things that are in our society like so you know, if you just like a, you know, these animals like in the zoo that are like, you know, smacking their head against the wall, we are living like heartbreaking. You know, yeah, like we're living in a zoo like this. No mm. wonder why we're depressed. There's no, just like going through the motions. Go here, yeah, get through, do your random tasks. Like, it's not how life should be. Mm. So it's like, of course, it's really difficult to do that. Like everything is this. But mate, that goes full circle back to what we're talking yeah. about in school. Yeah, because. Yeah, nobody challenges that thought process. Definitely. They're just doing what they're told. Do you feel like because I I try to be optimistic? Mm -hmm. Like I feel like a shift is happening ish. No, I do. I, I, again, like, I think um, I think the way we view a lot of things is we're, we're positioned within a minority, but I do believe that there is a little bit of momentum. Yeah. Um, I do believe that I think some of the uh, the events of the last few years have seen uh, political parties shoot themselves in the feet yeah. a little bit. Definitely. by under maybe estimating I don't yeah. know, the power or the intelligence of people and community. Definitely. Um, I think where they lot where power, because normally, you know, if you look like revolution mm -hmm. and all that, it started with music and art. Yeah. Um, and I think like, you know, with what happened over the last few years with controlling businesses, the music and art scene, because I would say I, yeah, left wing, which are like, you know, the creatives, all that type of shit. Um, but now I'm finding I disagree with, like, the left-wing people. Mm -hmm. um, because I'm like... But no, is that part of the problem, to try and be categorised as yeah, part of the Yeah, which is also part yeah. of the problem, because now I'm like, you know, I was always, like, you know, well, you know, come from, like, migrant family, mm -hmm. like, you know, working class, you know, a bit creative. I've, you know, generally speaking, I should be left-wing. But now I'm looking how, like, the left is operating. And I'm like, looking at the world, people that are talking about freedom... You know, the government staying, my favourite government is the one that stays the fuck away out of my life. <laughs> um, so looking at that, I'm like, wow, I'm actually, and but I think everyone should be like that. They should be like looking at the picture. Like who do you actually agree with? Or are you just joining in with your group because that's your like assigned group? Yeah, your sense um, of belonging. And yeah, safety. so because I'm, look, you know, a lot of, you know, conservatives, I guess, I'm like agreeing with them. You know, the world is a little bit lost. We do need a bit of, like, traditional... We need to go back to our roots a little bit. Yep. We are kind of, like, losing <coughs> our way. And, like, you know, where I'm not into censorship and I'm not uh, for anyone. And I think that's what I mean, like, to your question about, like, optimism. Yeah. And I think in that story of I told in the initial lockdowns of really struggling mentally yep. was because I'd lost that optimism, was very pessimistic yeah. about the future. So it is very hard to stay positive and feel motivated for anything yeah. when you feel like it's not going to fucking matter anyway. Yeah. Um, but on the same flip side of that, you know, I, I, I 
ignorance is bliss, but I also don't believe in sticking your head in the sand just because it's easier. Yeah. You know, you, yeah, you want to know what's going on, but at the same time, you do need to, I, I know I personally, I can only speak for myself, have to hold a, a, a high level of personal responsibility for how much time I allow myself to be in the game and on the bench. Yeah. Because your reality is, like I said, where you choose to put your attention. Definitely. And I think if you're constantly uh, opening the box of doom and gloom, this should come of no surprise that you lack uh, the ability to feel optimistic about yeah. the future, whereas there still are many things that you can feel grateful and positive about. And you, you, I, I can't control everything. Yeah. And, you know, so what can I be doing today to improve my environment and circumstances that will be my own reality? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a tug of war. It's a, it's a compromise, isn't it? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I've had I had a bit. I get like a bit too excited. Mm. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll do this. I'm like this shit. I'll do like, and I try to do too much and change too much, and then I end up doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And I come into <laughs> terms with like, you know, what I can actually do, who I can like affect, and also realizing like, if I don't look after myself in the process, I'm not going to do anything. Yeah, and I'm just going to burn myself out. Um, and like, you know, so the way I'm kind of approaching things is like, you know, I'm, um my base before I do anything else is eating healthy, exercise, and then I can slowly add things around that. Yep. Um, because Get the, ba- like, the basics of human need. Yeah. Movement. Yeah, and eating. And eating. And Sunlight. Yeah. Connection. Uh, yeah, and I've, you know, also realising what type of human connection I want. Like, mm-hmm. you know, do I want to be, you know, at a party, like, saying hi to all these people that, like, you know, they're not bad, but, like, I really give a fuck about them. Mm. Um, or, you know, one-on-one conversations where, you know, they're, like, conversations that uplift me mm-hmm. and that are, like, adding value to my life. And I'm like, no, they're the kind of things that I'm, like, leaning towards now, having, like, a nice dinner and having a good chat with someone, motivating people. And, like, you know, I've, like, I would, you know, even though the last few years were shit, but I, you know, it got me exercising. I was never one to exercise before. There's always a silver line. Yeah. You know, meditating got deep, much more deeper into meditating. Mm. You know, and if I didn't get into meditation, I wouldn't have even worried about my physical health because, like, as I was meditating, that's what you manifested its importance. Well, yeah, and I could feel like, oh, my shoulders actually a little bit stiff, or like, mm, oh, my hips are a bit sore. It's cool because I was becoming aware of my body, and then I was like stretching more, and then I'm like, I probably need to get stronger. Mm. Like, if you know, I need to build up strength everywhere. Now I'm like, you know, I train most days. Um, still haven't completely quit smoking. Getting there, baby steps. Hey. Day by day, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, all that, and I needed that to get, like, mentally strong. And, like, you know, to achieve my next few goals, like, I need money, so I'm, like, you know, going to be a diesel mechanic studying for the next three years, which I never thought I could study. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, because, like, that's the harsh reality of the world. If you want things, you need money. And being in Melbourne, it's, like, it's so hard to make money here. Can be. Yeah. Can be. But, man, it sounds like uh, you're in a real good place yeah. and uh, good on you. Yeah, thank so you. So I appreciate you coming in and sharing that with us, man. I think oh, that's no a, it's problem, a good bro. place thank to wrap up. Me. It's always an enjoyment having a good chat with you. Yeah. So we'll do it again. Definitely, man. Legend. Thank you, so man. So good. Cheers, guys.